Welcome to Faith Church. We are just excited to have you here. You're here on purpose, and I believe God's got a word for you today. I want to bring to you a message today entitled Order of Life. Order of Life. We've been in this uh, freedom series, and I believe that there is a order and a sequence to our life that when we live it, we really can begin to thrive and experience God's God's best. How many of you have ever, just kind of wave your hand real quick, done an escape room? Ever done an escape room? Heard of an escape room? There are a lot of fun. You put your hands down. I've, I've done uh, about three of them now, and they're a lot of fun. They, they go and they put you in a room, and then they lock the door, and each room is themed, and uh, you have to kind of find clues and grab a hold of different pieces, use the things in the room to solve like a complex ongoing riddle before the time runs out. That's kind of the big goal. And what's funny is that you will kind of get all amped up and get all excited because you want to achieve it and you don't want to be the only loser that doesn't get the the right answers and you get locked into the room and so you're really amped up and get going. And you start grabbing things and searching things and you're just trying to find a starting point and you're finding all of these clues and they all end up being random. And you find something, you're like, oh, this means this. It's got to be a key. And you actually don't need that piece until way later. And you're like, oh, that's why it's there. And it gets really kind of confusing. And there's a little bit of chaos because you're trying to make sense of all of these different pieces, clues, and components, trying to put them and use them in the proper order and sequence so that you can achieve, achieve your goal. In your life, there are pieces and components to your life that must be fit into place in proper order and sequence so that you can achieve the things that God has for you in your life. We are a people who best operate with order. That's why there are certain lines and arrows in a parking lot. Parking spaces slanted a certain way, arrows telling you which way to go in and which way to go out. And for those of you that choose to not follow those arrows and lines, repent in Jesus' name right now. There is an order to life that makes everything work when everybody follows the right pattern. Think about car pickup line and drop-off for your children at school. Thank the Lord. We've got a couple months before we must endure. Those who don't understand that when you pull your car up and there is a sidewalk next to it, that is where your child gets out. Not waiting two more inches where we're like painting little by little, little, one car at night. We could get about 10 cars to empty their children if we would all pull all the way up on the sidewalk and everybody let your child out. I'm just trying to preach somebody to get set free and this might be therapy for me, but thank you for allowing me to vent because there is order and a process and life works better And without chaos, when you follow those simple things, there's a proper alignment and authority structure. Things in your workplace work better when you follow the chain of command and the communication of command and not running end arounds to other people and going over. It works better. It happens in your family too. A child wants something desperately, so they go to the parent that has the authority and all the power and the right to say yes. And so they ask mom, mom, can I have this? 
And when mom says no, they go to the weaker one, the, the weak spot in the marriage. And they say, daddy, can I have this? And the smart father will say, what did your mother say? Right? Because they, we know, we know, we know. They're trying to end around, but no, 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 no. We on to you, children. We know. And your family operates better when everybody is on the same page and in unity and in unison, and we're all working towards the same common goal. See, there is an order, there is a sequence, there is a unity, there is a a fitting together that helps us in our life. And what we first need to understand are what are these pieces of our lives? And then if there is indeed an order for life, what is that order? Because when you and I begin to live in proper order, we can begin to thrive and experience the fullness of life that God has for us. I would take it as far as to say this. In your life, when you are not living according to God's designed order for your life, things begin to unravel and to become chaotic in your life. If you feel like things are just getting untied and everything is unraveling in your life, friends, it's likely that there are some things out of order in your life and in your heart. So let's take a look at what are these pieces and components and let's put them together in proper order so that we can discover God's order for life and live to our full potential. First Thessalonians chapter five is where we're gonna be today. First Thessalonians chapter five, it's in the New Testament, almost towards the back of your your printed Bibles. If you have a a phone or tablet with you, you can log on to faithchurchks.org click on the sermon notes, and you can follow right along. And I encourage you today to take notes. Every one of us take notes. Well, Pastor, I don't have anything. There is a connection card that is likely under your bum. Pull it out and the pen, and there's a spot for notes. I encourage you to take some notes today because God is going to set some of us free as we begin to discover the pieces of our lives and the proper order that he's designed them to work best in. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 14. Our main scripture is verse 23 and 24, but we're going to start in verse 14 to kind of give a bigger context for what I believe God is wanting to say. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 14, are you there? It says this, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, Warn those who are idle to no longer sit idle. And those of you that have just kind of had your life and your spiritual life in in idle, stop it. Get it in gear, he says. Get it in gear. And for those who are being disruptive, warn them. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. That's why every Sunday when we gather, we want to have a life-giving encounter to help those of you who walked in here feeling a little disheartened My hope is that by the time you walk out of here, you feel a little bit more encouraged than when you walked in. I believe that's what happens when you come and you gather with the body of Christ. Something in you is encouraged and enlightened, enlightening of your load. That's why it's not good to skip church. That's why it's not good to miss being around God's people because there's an encouragement that comes to you that's a benefit for you when you begin to walk these things out. So encourage the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone, even the idiots who don't drive according to the lines marked on the screen. Sorry, that was just for me. 
just for me, there's arrows. We follow them, Jesus. Be patient with everyone. Make sure nobody, nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Because you'll be wronged. Don't pay back wrong for wrong. It's not tit for tat. Don't do it. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Do what is good for other people. That's why we are buying school supplies for one entire elementary school this year. In the upcoming school year, why? Because we are for them. We want to encourage them. We want to breathe life to those teachers. We're going to partner with them. Why? Because we want to be for everyone. And that's why we use that mantra for you. Verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Notice it did not say give thanks for every circumstance because this is God's will for you. Stop thanking God for cancer. He's not trying to teach you something. That's not the point. In that circumstance, you can choose gratitude and that gratitude will give you a new perspective and that new perspective will unlock a new sense of God's purpose for your life. But he didn't cause the circumstance, so stop giving thanks for the circumstance, thinking that the circumstance is God's will for your life. Every good and perfect gift comes down from God. It's the enemy who steals, kills, and destroys. In every circumstance, give thanks. Not for every circumstance. In every circumstance, make a choice to give thanks. Because that's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Verse 19, don't quench the spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Let me pause right here. I grew up in a charismatic environment that might shock some of you. It likely might not shock others of you. And in this charismatic environment, oftentimes people would use this verse and say, you better let the Holy Spirit create uh, and do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And if so, and so many people didn't prophesy and so many people didn't do this and people weren't falling over and worship wasn't just expanded and everybody just keep worshiping and worshiping and we didn't have a free flow of the Holy Spirit, then we were quenching the Spirit. You can't have order and a plan That quenches the spirit as if my planning in my sermons and prepping on what God wants to say to us, like God's not big enough to speak to us a couple months in advance. Like like he doesn't know what we're going to need a couple months from now. Don't quench the spirit. That's not what he's talking about. Think about it in context. He's not talking about gatherings. He's talking about your personal growth. Don't quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Prophecies, let me help us with this understanding. Prophecies, that comes from two words. Pro, meaning forth, and femi, meaning to speak. Forth, speaking. That word is not primarily about a predictive speech. He's not saying, those of you that that predict the future... And foretell what God will do. Don't treat those people with contempt. No. New Testament prophecy, the the, the current reality, the outpouring of God's spirit where men and women are prophesying. You know what he's talking about? Declaring and discerning God's will and giving godly counsel. 
That's what the word actually means, to give godly, to speak forth God's will. What is God's will? His word. God's word is his will. His will is his word. Anytime the word of God is preached, that's prophecy. Every week, I'm spending time with Jesus, discerning and interpreting certain scriptures. God, what does this mean to us? What are you saying to our body? What are you saying to us? Every time I stand up here, what am I doing? I am prophetically declaring to us the counsel and the wisdom of God's word. So don't quench the spirit. That doesn't mean sit quietly while I preach. A few amens is really good for me, by the way. No. What's he saying? Don't quench the spirit. Don't treat prophecy. He's saying, when you hear God's word preached, take it into your heart. Recognize what the spirit is saying to you. Apply it to your life. Use it. Walk it out. Therefore, not quenching what God's spirit is trying to produce in your life. James said it like this. Don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. So when we talk about don't quenching the spirit, it's not some energetic entertainment for the saints. It's actually about you hearing God's word and getting off your can and obeying it. To sit in church week after week and hear the word preached but never change anything in your life is quenching what God's spirit is trying to do in your life. That's the context. Why is all of that important, pastor? Here's why, verse 23. Because... God himself, the God of peace, come on, the God of peace will sanctify you through and through. We'll come back to that word sanctify. Don't get tripped up on it. He will sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body. Everybody say spirit. Say soul. Say body. Three things, spirit, soul, and body may all be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Spirit, soul, body. When you hear God's word, it's trying to help sanctify your spirit, soul, body. Why? Because the parts of your life that need to be in order, are you ready? Your spirit, soul, and body. Why are there three, Pastor? Because God is a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We were made in His image. You have a, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Three in one. It's all who you are, and they're all distinct in what they do. God has three distinct roles in how He operates, but it is still God and God alone. I know I just took it really deep. We're going to come back up for air, I promise. First thing I want you to notice about the pieces of our lives and how we order them is number one, this, you are a spirit. It's not that you have a spirit, it's that you are a spirit. And if your spirit ever left your body, your body would cease to function. We call that death. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but the body is still there. How are we present with the Lord? It's your spirit. Your spirit was designed and is designed by God to be like command central, the chief executive officer of your life. And when your life was covered, when your spirit was covered with sin, all you did was sin. Why? Because your chief executive officer, all it knew to do was sin. You are a spirit. 
and your spirit must be redeemed. It must be redeemed. Colossians chapter 2 says it like this. When you were dead in your sins, your spirit, dead, dormant, covered, controlled, fully identifiable as death of sin, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, check this out. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all. How many sins? All our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Your sin tallied up a bill you couldn't afford. And because your sin tallied up a bill that you couldn't afford, God sent his son Jesus to pay the price for your bill. Would it be all right if somebody came along one day, paid off your house debt, paid off your car debt, paid off your school loan debt, paid off your hospital debt? Would that be all right if somebody came along one day and just paid it all off? Listen, the debt that you owed God was way bigger than all of that, and it's been paid. And when you choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ and you receive the gift of salvation, it's a gift. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. Jesus comes, make your spirit alive, takes away all of the sin, removes it completely gone, and justifies you in your account before God. This is the word justification. That's the theological word for what I'm talking about. Justification. What does that mean? It's just as if you never sinned. Why? Because the debt has been canceled. There is no record of your indebtedness of your sin when you put your faith in Jesus. They do a Google search of heaven's accounts. I'm looking for the liar. Your name, no entry found. Oh, I know this person. They were an adulterer. I'm going to find this right here. Let me look at that. Adulterer. Nope. No entry found. Why? Because the slate has been wiped clean. The data removed. The debt paid in full. I wonder if somebody is excited enough and loves God enough and recognizes what God's done enough in their life to say, I've been forgiven. My debt's been paid. Your spirit was dead until you put your faith in Jesus and he made you alive, clean, whole, set free, renewed, justified all over again. You are a spirit and it has to be redeemed. If someone's spirit isn't redeemed, their spirit will live forever in hell. Why? Because they've never paid the price for their sin. They've never had it. They've never received the cancellation of their debt of sin. When you say yes to Jesus, the price gets paid. You've been redeemed. You are a spirit. You don't just have a spirit. No, no, no. You are a spirit. And your spirit lives forever, and that's why it must be redeemed. But once you put your faith in Jesus, it is perfectly redeemed. Your spirit is perfect. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I'm perfect on the inside. Just go ahead and tell them, the real me is perfect. I'm perfected. Because it's true. You are a spirit, and your spirit needs to be redeemed. Number two, you have a soul. You have a soul. What is your soul? Your soul is your mind, which thinks and reasons. You have a will, 
which is what makes choices. Some of you, you have a strong-willed child. The will is strong with this one, right? Like, they want to make choice. Their will, make your will is what makes the choices. And you have emotions, which help you to believe, feel, and remember. That's why when you have an emotional experience, you remember it more. When something hits you emotionally, you remember it more. Why? Because your mind, your will, your emotions, it becomes the filter through which you experience and see all of life. It's the filter. It's the filter. And that's why the Apostle Paul is writing in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, and he says, listen, you need God, the God of peace, to sanctify you in your spirit, soul, and body. Sanctify. Sanctify is the process of God cleaning out and restoring our filter to its proper working order. It's it's the idea of our minds being renewed to the truth of who God is. It's the idea of of our emotions filtering through the love of God and the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of God. It's this process of becoming like Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus, your spirit was made perfect, united with Christ. When you get saved and you follow Jesus, the process of sanctification is you are being saved and being changed into the image of Christ. In other words, you're a work in progress, but your filter has to be restored. I love coffee. And one of the things about coffee that you need to understand is that the coffee must be made with a filter. If there is a weak filter, you have a tendency to get some floaties into your coffee. Too many of the grounds get through the filter and into the cup. It pollutes the cup of coffee. If you want a pure cup of coffee, a full, good, robust cup of coffee, you need to have a filter that doesn't allow any of the grounds through. In your life, if you're going to become purified into the life of Christ, to where you reflect and act and think and process like Christ, if this process of sanctification is going on, it's the process of God making and creating a better filter for you. So you can process all of life in a better, purer way. Every time we go to a hotel, my wife drops her stuff And the very next thing she does is pull out her her magical bag of oils. And these magical oils, she then anoints every filter in the air conditioner, pours the oil on to clean out the filter. Then she gets some cotton balls and anoints those and covers those in oil, puts them over the vents. And it creates a new filter trying to purify the air that we are about to breathe for the next so many hours. She's filtering something. Listen, friends, when you get a hold of who Jesus is, he is the anointed one. Come on. He's the one who comes to redeem and set right and to restore your filter. When you get into the presence of God, your filter, your emotions, your mind, your will, your everything begins to be changed and transformed to the image and the likeness of Christ. You have a soul, a mind, will, and emotions, and it must be restored. It must be restored. And only Jesus 
And the Spirit of God can restore that filter. He's the only one that can purify that filter. That's why we talked last week about renewing our mind through the Word of God. It's about creating a new filter because that filter is how you see and experience all of your life. Your filter, your soul must be restored. You are a spirit. You have a soul. But friends, you live in a body. Three parts, spirit, soul, body. You live in a body. And your body has its own appetite and way of processing. Your body is what you experience and walk and live and go through life. But your body wasn't designed to be the one in charge. Your soul wasn't the one designed to be in charge. It was your spirit that God created as the command center for your life. It is the order of life. Look at the importance of the body and how all of these things fit together in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read several verses because I want you to get the full context of what it's talking about. You'll see all of these things coming into play right here. 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 9, says this, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy. What a list to be included on. The greedy, nor the drunkard, nor the slander, the liar, or the swindler, the thief, will inherit the kingdom of God. And, and that is what some of you were. That, that was how you were identified. You were an addict. That's how you were seen. Verse 11, part two, but you were washed, filtered, renewed, changed out, a new system put into place. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of our God. You might say, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything but I won't be mastered by anything. You say, it's just food for the stomach and stomach for food. That will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. His body was raised and he will also one day raise up your body. Shall I then take my members of my body and the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he unites himself with a prostitute as one with her body? In other words, what you do with your body affects your soul. It unites something. It does something on the soul level and on the spirit level. For it is said the two will become one flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is, is one with him in spirit. Therefore, flee, run away from all sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, 
honor God with your bodies. Your body is driven by different appetites. Just a part of it. And those appetites often lead us to a point of sin. And that sin affects our soul, contaminates our filter, and it tries to cover up and take charge over our spirits. It's not just whatever you want to do, do. No. It, it may be permissible, but it's not beneficial. It, it may be permissible to live with somebody of the opposite sex. But it's likely unbeneficial because you can't control the appetite. And, and, and it matters. It may not be wrong to take a drink, but you might have an addictive personality. And so that one drink will always lead you to a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth. So it may not be wrong, it may not be a sin on its own right, but it leads and it feeds an appetite that will never be quenched. You'll never satisfy your life with those appetites. Appetites. The appetite for ice cream is strong in me. I enjoyed some earlier this week. I really wanted some last night. But I said no to that appetite. Food, activity, sexuality, they're all appetites. The problem with an appetite is it's easy to create an identity based off an appetite. And we are controlled because these appetites come from within us. We think that that becomes our identity because it's in me. It must be who I am. No, don't you realize you were bought with the price There's a different spirit in you. There's something else that's supposed to be growing and in charge. And there's a better order. You don't have to live slave to your appetites. You don't have to give in to the cravings of your your body. You were bought with a price. You are not what you eat and you are not what you do. Don't live slave to the appetites of your life. You were bought with a price. And it was a high price. That's why your body, while it contains your soul and your spirit, your body must be surrendered. And it must learn to submit to a higher, higher authority. But what, Pastor, what, how, how do we do that? How do we live in this order? I mean, spirit, soul, body, these are all components. How do we live in proper order? Listen, when life feels like it's unraveling, when chaos is ensuing, when things just feel out of whack, what do you do? Here you do here's what you do. You hit pause. When your life starts to unravel, hit pause. Hit pause. Hit pause and start fasting. Give up some food. Ought to be a discipline in your life. Every week, fast something. Tell your flesh no so your spirit can stay in charge. Fast, pause, hit pause, fast. And when you do, you're telling your body to get in submission. Hit pause and and begin to meditate on God's word and that brings your mind into submission. We talked about that last week. So your mind starts thinking the way God thinks instead of your own way. Hit pause and begin to delay your gratification. You could buy that thing that you love. You could buy that today. Choose to wait a week and then buy it. 
Your kids are going to come to you and say, I want this. And you know you're going to give it to them. Make them wait. Delay their gratification for a little while. Teach them to have patience. Give them the opportunity to grow, telling their appetites to submit and their spirit to be in charge. You have to teach them. You have to train it. Delay the gratification and it creates, creates a submission of our will. Because if your will doesn't submit to God's will, your will will run your life off the rails. Pause, hit pause. Pause and hit re- and start repenting. You messed up. You gave into the appetite. You did the thing. You said the thing. You acted a certain way. Hit pause and repent. You lost your temper. Hit pause and repent. When you hit pause and you repent, you begin to silence the emotions of regret. And you remember that you were made right and justified through Jesus Christ. Hit pause. Hit pause. And do some spiritual practices. Read the word. Pray. And worship. Friends, when you read God's word, when you spend time talking to God, and you worship the Lord on your own, you are feeding your spirit the protein it needs to strong arm your your soul and your body to be in the proper order. But when your spirit is weak, the soul begins to shout and the body tries to take control. If you want to walk in the spirit of God, if you want to walk in the divine order that God's created where your spirit's in charge, your soul is taking control taking the commands and tells your body then what to do and what not to do because the Spirit said we're going to do this body. I don't feel like going to church, but the Spirit says, no, we're going to church. That's what we need. I don't feel like praying. No, we're going we're gonna to pray. I feel like what Netflixing and chilling tonight. No, you don't need to Netflix and feed the entertainment beast in you. What you need to do is turn on some worship and start worshiping the Lord and feed your spirit a little bit so that you can deal with the people that you're going to deal with tomorrow. Why? Because there's a proper order for your life. And when life feels like it is unraveling, you have to hit pause. You've got to hit pause and do whatever it takes to get the order back in place. When your spirit's in charge and your soul is taking its cues from the spirit and your body is doing what your your will is telling it and your will is taking from what the spirit is saying and the priorities of God, When you have the order of life, you will live in unity with Christ and his spirit. Galatians 5 says, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's not about doing more or trying to achieve or getting rid. No, it's about living in proper order. Spirit in charge, soul taking cues and the body following in submission. When you do that, you live united. Listen, you can be united with God or your life can become untied. United or untied. It all depends on how you treat the eye. All depends on how you treat your eye. Am I living in divine order? Or is everything unraveling because everything is out of order? You'll live in God's best when you live according to the order of life. Spirit, then your soul, then your body, following in line. Will you stand as we close in prayer today? 
ask that you just hang tight, hang with us just for another minute. Bow your heads and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me today? Some of you today, you recognize that there's been some things out of order. You love God. Your spirit's been made new. You've been justified. You know that. But man, your soul or your body has been calling the shots. And today's a day where you're saying, nope, I'm going to put it back in order, pastor. I'm going to make sure that I'm feeding my spirit more than I'm feeding my soul and more than I'm feeding my body. I'm going to feed my spirit every day what it needs, the protein that it needs. If you're here, you'd say, pastor, that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm making a commitment to feed my spirit more than anything else. That's my commitment this week. Would you just put a hand before the Lord and say, Lord, that's my commitment today. Father, you see these hands? Lord, I pray that your grace would be sufficient for us and that we would walk in your ways this week, that we would feed our spirits and starve our fleshes, that we would feed our spirit and, and cause our soul to fall back in line and to be filtered through the truth that we would hear the voice that speaks peace and not a voice that speaks criticism or condemnation or fear or worry or doubt. Lord, we would hear your voice this week. Give us that ability in Jesus' name. Still praying, everybody together. If you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never accepted the gift of salvation and I know my sins are many and I've never been justified. I know I'm still guilty before the Lord because I've not put my faith in Jesus and I've not received his salvation. But today I want to be saved. I want to receive that free gift from the Lord. If you're here today and say, pastor, I want to, I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you put a hand in the air so we could pray together? Thank you so much for those hands. Thank you so much for those hands. Thank you, Lord. Church family, can we all pray this together? Pray with me. Say, father God, thank you for sending Jesus. For me, thank you that he died on the cross. For me, he paid the price for my sins. Today, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Save me, change me, make me new, justify me before you, Lord. I accept your son in my life. Jesus, I'm going to follow you with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, all my strength. I give you all of me today. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's rejoice today.